Thank you for tuning in to the Far Better Podcast, a work of Scattered Abroad, which is overseen by the East Hill Church of Christ in Pulaski, Tennessee. You can find our website at scatteredabroad.org. In this podcast, we seek to please God now, so our eternity is far better. Here is your host, Michael Clark. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Far Better Podcast on the Scattered Abroad Network. Glad that you've taken some time to uh, sit down with me, walk, run, fold laundry, whatever it might be that you're doing. I hope and pray that this podcast is beneficial to you and that you will maybe tell others, leave a rating and a review uh, to help us boost up to be able to get to more people. But ultimately, the point of this podcast and really the, the point of the Scattered Abroad Network is to serve God in this life so that we can live with him in the next. We left off last week talking about remembering what we are when it comes to suffering, dealing with suffering, remembering what we are. Today I want to talk about remembering how we got to be what we are. Now, we understand that before salvation was given to us, we were sinners without hope. And maybe you don't know this, but the Bible tells us In Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, but God demonstrates his love, his own love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Why would that be necessary? Hebrews 9.22, according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood, and without shedding of blood, there's no remission. Hebrews 10 and verse 4 tells us that it was not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away our sins, so we needed the blood of a lamb. And so how did Jesus have to die? By lethal injection? Firing squad? Hanging? No, he he died on a cross. A more proper term that we'll use throughout this episode today is a crucifixion. And in Mark 15, 25, we're told it was the third hour, and they crucified him. Now, what do we know about the cross? Wayne Jackson wrote an article years ago on the crucifixion of Christ, and we're going to be examining that article today in our study, and we're also going to look at an examination of medical evidence for the physical death of Christ by Brad Harib and Bert Thompson, and we will also shift to the idea of crucifixion in each thing that happened. So let's get started with Wayne Jackson's article, The Crucifixion of Christ. What do we know about the cross? Well, crucifixion was probably the most horrible form of capital punishment ever devised by man. And therefore, we are the greatest benefiters of the greatest suffering that ever took place on this earth, and that's the cross. The, the process of a normal crucifixion, okay, this is what would typically happen. You would have a scourging, or the prospective crucifixion victim, as a rule, was first subjected to flagellation or beating with a three-thong three whip, fashion of plated leather and studded with bone and metal. The victim was stripped of their clothing and was then secured with leather ties, and he was then beaten from his upper back 
to the lower extremities of his legs. The flesh would be flayed from the muscle, and eventually muscle could be shredded from the bone. The bones of the back, including the spinal column, might well be exposed in a bloody mass. In an article which appeared a few years back in the Journal of American Medical Association, Dr. W. Edwards wrote, The severe scourging, with its intense pain and appreciable blood loss, would most probably leave Jesus in a pre-shock state. Moreover, if you are of the opinion that Luke talks about a condition called hematidrosis or hematidrosis, which I do think that's what Luke is referring to, but if you're of that opinion that hematidrosis is what had happened to Jesus, it would have also rendered his skin particularly tender. The physical and mental abuse meted out by the Jews and the Romans, as well as the lack of food, water, and sleep, also contributed to his generally weakened state. And therefore, even before the actual crucifixion, Jesus' physical condition was at least serious and possibly critical. Now, the scourging was typical. The next thing in a normal, and I put normal there in quotes, a normal crucifixion would be the nailing of the hands and the feet. The criminal would be made to lie upon the ground with the crossbeam under his upper back. The arms were then attached by nails. The nails were almost certainly driven through the wrist since the palm tissue cannot bear the weight of the body. And in fact, the Romans and the Greeks term rendered hands can also mean arms when you study their terminology. And they did consider the wrist to be a part of the hand. And if you were to take your fingers right now and try to put in the center of your wrist both your thumb on the inside of your hand and your index finger on the outside of your hand where that wrist meets, you'll find a little opening that you could have easily put a nail through where it would be surrounded by bone. No risk of ripping out. The feet were also nailed. In 1968, the first remains of a crucified man were discovered in Jerusalem and a seven-inch spike was wedged through a young man's heels. One source has suggested that only one heel was pierced by the nail and that the feet may have straddled the upright beam with the nails affixing the legs to each side of the olive wood posts. The Romans were not always uniform in their methods of crucifixion. And the cause of death of a normal crucifixion was usually loss of blood volume and the inability to breathe due to the extension of the body. The victim, unable to support his body so as to inhale and exhale easily, eventually suffocated, and he usually died within 36 hours, though he could survive for several days. Jesus, Jesus lived for only six hours on the cross. Now, that's a normal crucifixion. You see, the way that the nails worked was you would slouch down to give some relief to your feet because of the pain that they were in. Now, that puts pain on your wrists, and so you would have to kind of stand up to put some relief on your wrists and your arms. And in order to breathe, you'd have to do this process over and over and over again. Agonizing torture. 
which is why usually the victim would suffer and suffocate. That's a normal crucifixion. And you might be wondering, why are we talking about a normal one? Jesus' crucifixion was not normal. Take you back to the Garden of Gethsemane. It all started in Gethsemane where Jesus was praying to the Father and being in great agony. He went through the process that many medical doctors consider to be hematidrosis or hematidrosis. Not even arrested yet, and he's suffering. Then you go on to these Jewish trials. As many of us know, the trials of Jesus were illegal. Here were the reasons. The arrest that happened could not be made at night. The time and date of the trial were illegal because it took place at night on the eve of the Sabbath, a time that precluded any opportunity for a required adjournment to the next day in the event of a conviction. The Sanhedrin was without authority to invest and instigate any charges. It was only supposed to investigate charges that had been brought before it, but in Jesus' trial, the court itself formulated the charges, breaking the law. The requirement of two witnesses testifying in agreement to merit the death penalty had not been met. The court did not meet in the regular meeting place of the Sanhedrin as required by Jewish law. Christ was not permitted a defense. Under existing Jewish law, an exhaustive search into the facts presented by the witnesses should have occurred, but it did not. And the Sanhedrin itself pronounced the death sentence, and during Roman captivity, Sanhedrin was not allowed to impose the death sentence, according to John 18.31. Now those are the Jewish trials. So imagine the physical exhaustion Jesus must have been feeling. And we still have the Roman trials to go through. The Roman trials with Christ before Pilate, he's sent to this man named Pilate who finds no reason to kill him. And so Pilate sends him to Herod. Herod wanted to see a miracle from Jesus, and when one was not performed, he sends Jesus back to Pilate. Luke 23, 7 and following, Pilate gives an opportunity to allow the people to release Jesus only to have them release a murderer named Barabbas. When you look at Christ's health up to this point, he suffered great emotional stress as evidenced by the probable hematidrosis, abandonment by his disciples, and a physical beating after the Jewish trial. It is also important to note that Jesus was forced to walk more than two and a half miles to and from the sites of various trials, having slept little, if any, the night before. All of these factors would have rendered Jesus particularly vulnerable to the physiological effects of scourging. The scourging of Jesus, while it's not an addition to his crucifixion, takes a whole new meaning when we understand the exhaustion and potential hematidrosis Jesus was facing. The scourging, therefore, would not have been a normal scourging. And scourging on its own is bad enough, but if you really are experiencing hematidrosis where the capillaries in the body burst and you sweat blood, but what it does is it, it causes the skin to be so tender that 
what is normal human skin-to-skin contact that doesn't hurt all of a sudden is excruciatingly painful. And Jesus here is being beaten over and over again. And the Romans had gotten to a point where they knew how to crucify someone and keep them alive and suffer. And the crucifixion of Jesus makes it even worse when you realize that they had even perfected scourging. Historians talk about the scourging of Jesus and the scourging of people in general to where they could expose lung. You could see inside the body. And that person would still be alive. Bringing them to the brink of death without pushing them over it. They let Jesus have a robe put on him where those wounds began to clot and start the healing process. And they ripped that robe back off of him and he began to bleed again. They also gave him a crown of thorns, which is not normal for crucifixion. This was used as a sick way of having Jesus shown as king. These weren't ordinary thorns that you'd find out in your garden. Uh, These thorns could have come from the lote tree. This tree had thorns averaging one inch in length. It was improbable for anyone to form a wreath-like crown using these thorns without being injured. And therefore, it would be more probable that the crown of thorns was more like a helmet. In fact, it would have been easier to cut off a bush and use it as a helmet of thorns. And that's how they signified our king, their king. And then they crucified him. And while nothing out of the ordinary was done with this part of the crucifixion, it's incredible to think that Jesus survived for six hours considering all that his body had already endured. And why? Why go through this? Why deal with any of this? So that we could be what we are. Hebrews 10.4, without the blood of bulls and goats, with with blood of bulls and goats, it's impossible for sins to be remitted. Hebrews 9.22, remission of sins requires the shedding of blood, and Jesus shed his blood so that you and I could become what we are, members of the body of Christ, those that are in a covenant relationship with God, that have followed the New Testament plan, all because Jesus was willing to die for my sins and yours. And if that doesn't warm your heart, I don't really know what will. If that doesn't warm your heart, I don't know what we could do to help you. What a Savior. Lord willing, next week, we're going to 
look at the question and the idea of remembering where we get to go. It's not just about what we are or how we got to be what we are, but where we get to go because of who we are. And so, you know the drill. Let's all please God now so our eternity can be far better. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Scattered Abroad Network. If you would like to email us, you can do so at thescatteredabroadnetwork at gmail.com. That's thescatteredabroadnetwork at gmail.com. Remember, you can check the show notes below for all of our social media platform links. Also, don't forget that you can find us on all major podcast platforms, and please leave us a rating or review. We hope and pray that this has helped you grow closer to Christ even though we are scattered abroad. May God bless you.